here we are again. Rogue Table Talks number 89. Here we go. I don't have anything for 89. <laughs> I usually have something for the number. I don't know what, you know, 89 uh, was. One uh, shy of 90. But almost 90. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, yes. Um, and we are um, going to talk about the transfiguration of Jesus and, you know, what that has to do with us. Um, and I kind of wanted to think about, um, dive in on the, the superhero question because, you know, superheroes typically, I don't know if this is a, a, you know, I don't know if this is a precursor of this or if there's, you know, any sort of connection to, uh, this truth lying deep within us, but all superheroes tend to be like transformed, right? There is maybe that's not true, but I mean, most of them are Clark Kent, you know, there's an alter ego, Peter Parker, uh, Bruce Wayne. Um, yeah. I'm not even a Tony Stark. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'm not even a superhero guy, but there's always this, uh, you know, transformation into this, this, this superhero, um, which I think somehow makes it accessible. Like, like somehow this could happen to you. Right. Um, <laughs> That's you true. Know, right? Look, yeah, they're ordinary. Spider, yes, they're or spider bit them. Yeah, that could happen to me. Um, <laughs> Brainiac bazillionaire. <laughs> Brainiac. <laughs> oh, yeah. I could be that guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and so kind of like what would you want to, like if you were a superhero, what would you want to be? What would you do with it? Because wasn't there a... Uh, like a Will Smith movie where he was the superhero who was sort of like, he sort of checked out of the whole superhero. Yeah. Thing. He kind of hated it. It kinda was like, it. it was one word title. I can't remember it though. <laughs> I can't remember it. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like, I feel like there's something there. So what would you want to, what would you do if you were a, what would you yeah, want? I, uh, I think about this all the time. Do you really? <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> but uh, I, I do think I wouldn't want to be like an Iron Man or a Batman because here's the thing. Those guys are awesome, but they're, they don't have like superpowers. So, you know, I don't know, maybe Spider-Man, maybe. You'd want, yeah, you'd want some sort of uh, something, you know, x-ray vision, ability to fly, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, right. right. Super yeah. strength, something. Yes, yes. Uh, I was looking for that. Hancock. Hancock. I knew it was an H. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know what I would I would want to be. Um, you know, I think I'd want to be able to fly. I mean, what's mm -hmm. the point of being a, right? Uh, right. Or essentially fly, because Spider-Man can't fly, but he kind of can fly, because he's... Right. He can swing himself way high. Although that only works... In the city, what if he lived in the suburbs, <laughs> <laughs> or like the rolling farm fields? <laughs> right. like, nothing to grab onto. I got, I got nothing. I can bounce it off some cow, but what is that going to do? <laughs> yeah, I guess that I never thought of that before. But yeah, I think um, there's the. Let's talk. Let's. let's I want to come back to that. Uh, in fact, I probably want to revisit that. I thought of that, you know, that Will, that's Will Smith movie. I think there's something there for us. Um, but let's look at Matthew 17 uh, in this, this uh, 
uh, episode where Jesus is transfigured. It, it says, after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led him up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. So Jesus is, like, why do you, th why do you think this happened? It's not explained, which is a lot of narrative scripture stuff happens. It's not fully, you know, there's no sidebar where the narrator takes you aside and tells you, well, this is why this happened. So what do you think Peter, James, and John were meant to see or understand? What do you think? I have no idea. It is, it is an interesting, is it just happens in scripture? It's just, you know, da, 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 da. After six days, this happened and then they go down the mountain. Yeah. Uh, the, the only thing, and this is a very like off the top of my head. So, you know, I don't have a lot of support for it, but it, it they go up to a mountain which to me would have probably signified something Old Testament mm -hmm. connection. And then mm -hmm. Moses and Elijah are there. So right. Old Testament, like there's something that is uh, being recapitulated, but in a new way, mm. uh, the law maybe mm -hmm. on the top of the mountain, um, you know, Elijah is a famous uh, prophet. So I, I don't know, something maybe that they may have understood better, or we're meant mm -hmm. to understand better than. Yeah. Yeah. So that's all we can. I mean, you kind of try to put yourself there, but what, you know, what I would, you know, what I would get from it would be partly what every miracle is, is meant to do is, is in, at least in some respects point to the identity of Jesus. Every miracle that Jesus does affirms his identity as deity, as the son of God, as the fulfillment of these messianic promises, as the one who is, you know, to fulfill all of this. And this certainly does point to that. I mean, here's the fulfillment of the Old Testament meeting with the two, you know, the two, I guess, personifications of much of the Old Testament, Moses, the law, Elijah, the prophets, um, you know, so it certainly cements Jesus's identity, uh, even just showing him there. And then, of course, the voice. Uh, if, if again, the disciples don't quite understand, it's good for us to be here. We'll basically, we'll serve you. We'll serve all three of you. We'll make a shelter for you, for Moses and for Elijah. And the voice, uh, while he was still speaking, so this voice... Um, uh, from the cloud, you know, it's, it's like almost the presence of the father is there. This is my son whom I love with him. I am well pleased. Listen to him. So 
the voice is telling him these are not three equals here. Just to be clear, you know, as great as Moses and Elijah are, this Jesus is the son of God. Uh, listen to him. Uh, and so, for, you know, whatever else they would have gotten from it, you know, they were they should have been affirmed in that. However, we understood it before in in in. Matthew would have already said it before, or uh, Peter would have already said it before, I think. Uh, the confession of he's, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, I think has already happened um, chronologically. So there's no mistaking to them, this is who Jesus is. Well, and you, you talk about story a lot. And I think just briefly, this is confirmation that there this is a new chapter in the story. Yeah. You know, that this is similar in the veins of Moses and Elijah. And yet, because Moses went up the mountain and came down transfigured, which I think you'll talk about in a few moments, mm -hmm. but, and yet this is different. So there's yep. similarities and yet there's, there's uh, distinct differences in this new chapter. And Jesus as covenant, uh, new covenant representative on the people's behalf, uh, I think mm -hmm. is at work here as well. Yeah, I think all of that. <clears throat> I think that's right. I think, you know, I think Jesus has been coming to say, hey, this is, we're in a new chapter. It's the same story. It's this big story we're in, but it's, you know, it's, it's new wineskins for new wine. It's, this is not, uh, this is not the same. You know, you've heard it said this, but I tell you that, um, you know, he declared all foods clean to them, which they didn't quite get until later. Like things are now, the fulfillment of all of these things has come. The kingdom of God is at hand. Uh, and so that, you know, you're in this big story and at some level you've understood it. And then he takes him up the mountain and says, I'm going to show you a, just a glimpse of this mm -hmm. bigger story that you're in. Uh, I'm going to affirm this big narrative that you're in. And, you know, I think one of the, you know, one of the interesting, I mean, so all three of them died either executed or died in exile. We're not exactly sure how John died. He at least died in exile. He might've been executed, but you know, whatever. Um, and so, you know, you're going to pay an earthly price for being in this story, but this is actually this, don't forget, this is actually the big story, you know, that we're in. Right. Um, and then this is who I really, this is who I really am. Uh, and I do feel like, you know, one of the things I, you know, do we follow Jesus? Do we think of Jesus only as Clark Kent and not as Superman? Do we think of him? You know, I think it's certainly part of our culture now that Jesus is our friend. Jesus is approachable. Mm -hmm. We can have this close relationship with him. It almost, you know, Jesus is my best friend. And it's not like that's false, but that's an incomplete. He's also this guy whose glory knocks them down to the ground, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. face down, terrified, both of those things at the same time. And, you know, I wonder if when we follow Jesus, do we follow him as Clark Kent only? And we do forget he's actually, Clark Kent's the alter ego. There's there's a lot more to the story. Um, yeah, Clark and, Kent really has to be created to veil Superman. Right. Yeah, he's Clark Kent is Superman just in a different uh, guise mm -hmm. uh, where that, you know, so the analogy breaks down somewhat. Jesus becomes a true man, but he doesn't stop being God. 
and he comes to identify with us and all of that's true but he again he doesn't stop being the co-eternal co-equal creator of all things and, and king and of the universe um and i do sometimes it's easy for us to forget because we well i think right? we yeah i think uh, historically uh and and theologically the two sides of god his transcendence and his eminence and if there was perhaps uh an overemphasis on his transcendence previously then we've probably swung too far the other way and there is an overemphasis on his eminence and his approachability and his closeness so we've lost that sense what's kierkegaard's book title fear and trembling Mm -hmm. you know we've kind of lost that sense of shiver up the spine i'm i'm in the presence of god who everybody sees him in scripture and covers their faces and falls on the ground. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I think that's right. I think it's easy for us to forget. And, you know, it's, I think we can have mountaintop experiences uh, and, you know, have great sort of experiences with Jesus Um you know, in a glorious sort of way, a mountaintop experience, uh, and then forget, kind of forget, um, you know, the glory. Uh, and I do feel like it seems like, well, I mean, let's just say you're one of these dudes, you know, you're Peter or James or John, (laughs) you go up in this mountain. I mean, it's pretty awesome sight. You've got Jesus in this transfigured, which really means, I think it's the same word as transformed, transfigured, transformed this this glorious transformed status with Moses and with Elijah, like you'd never forget that, right? Except mm-hmm. Peter does seem to forget it later. You know, you, it's the same guy who later says, I never knew the dude, right? It's the same guy. He was on the mountain and then he pretends, you know, how he, he gets the sword out and wants to hack his ear off. You know, he's, I want to take control here. And then I want to deny that I even knew him. And it's like, did this mountaintop thing ever really happen? Like, did you totally forget uh, Mm. what story you're in? Uh, And I do think we totally forget what story Mm -hmm. we're in, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think we're prone to forget. Um, It's part of, I don't know if it's necessarily you know, sin in this, that sense. I don't know if it's intentional, like, oh, I'll just, it's not intentional rebellion. It just, just, that's probably how our typical stance is, is we just forget, forget what story we're in. We forget, you know, the mercies um, of God. We forget, yeah, the transfiguration, Mm -hmm. whatever Mm -hmm. that, whatever, whatever that was for us or is for us. But I think that's, uh, so, so God's gracious to us. We get those reminders, um, Mm -hmm. as you like to talk about, I think there are less mountaintop experience reminders probably than we would like. It's more subtle. It's more being a part of a worshiping community, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. meditating on the truth. It's, it's those things. It's not always a high that we say, I saw God transfigured. Yeah. And I think that's, it's interesting, like, you know, to think about why that does happen, what's going on there. Um, 
because I wonder if, you know, at some level, do we, do we seek these mountaintop experiences? Is it something that we want? Um, or what, you know, what do we want from this relationship uh, with God? Are we getting more than we bargained for? Or are we trying to control it? Because I feel like for many believers, um, you know, it's a, this is what I want. I want basically uh, a good, stable, safe life. I'm going to be a follower of Jesus. And what I want is, you know, I'll believe all the right things. Um, but I don't know if I want to be transformed. You know, I, you know, I'm, in other words, I, I kind of understand Hancock's point of view. Like, mm -hmm. like, you know, I have these superpowers, but I don't, it's just, I don't want the responsibility. I don't want all that goes with it. Um, and to be transformed is a, by definition, it's a process we're not in control of. It's, it involves denying ourselves. It involves death to ourselves. And what I really want is to, you know, is to be my best self now, to have my best life now. I mean, right. It's, mm -hmm. it's, uh, I don't want the hardness of transformation and the death and the, you know, the humility and humiliation and, you know, all that stuff. I want the good parts. I want, you know, I want a good life and I want to be well-respected and I want to be successful and I want to have enough money, but not too much money and, and whatever. And I think Jesus wants to every once in a while, take me up and say, okay, here's the story you're really in. And if it comes time and you have to die for the story, it's worth it because mm -hmm. don't forget what story you're in. It's not about, you know, this moralistic therapeutic deism sort of life where you get some sort of bargain with God and he gives you a good life. If you're basically a good person, that's not, that's not what we're, what we're talking about. It's a transformation. And, uh, I, I, that's kind of what I, my sense is if I was a superhero, I might be like Hancock. I mean, that's like a lot of days I act like him. Right. I wonder, yeah, you just made me think of like, what what are the maybe this is a culture thing or something but what are the theological uh implications of a midlife crisis <laughs> like what's what's going on there that maybe it's like you said we keep trying to function with i'm still trying to climb the ladder and i want success and and reputation and power and positive things and all this stuff and then for many of us we hit some type of midlife something and I think it's this just huge invitation to uh, unlearn those things that they got you through okay. so far, but they're not going to help transform you into something that's and someone that's more satisfied, actually, that's more settled, someone that really appreciates uh, the other side of the coin of transformation, like you talked about. Like mm -hmm. that's where Jesus parables and Jesus teaching. I think they helped the church. I think if you grew up in the church, you have an advantage, so to speak, because you grew up hearing this all your life, but you probably didn't have a chance to apply it until a little bit later, which he talks about falling. He talks about losing. He talks about being buried and hidden and dying and all of those things. So the, the rhetoric sticks in our minds and it's really good, but I don't know if we really, you know, start to track with that until we, our best life now doesn't work, so to speak. And then it's mm. those real realities of, oh, 
that's the next level of growth or stage. Yeah. And if that's the case, what we might call a midlife crisis is almost necessary to evaluate and say, Hey, this is not turning out the way I hoped, even though, though I yeah. didn't really articulate my hopes, but this plan a is not working or it doesn't look likely to work or it's disappointing me and good. I mean, that should actually be, that's accurate. Right. Right. Your plan A won't work. It will disappoint you. Uh, all of our plan A's and we have to die to it. You know, we have to deny ourselves and pick up our cross, our instrument of death and follow him daily. And, you know, if you get to a point in your life where you realize, okay, this climbing a ladder thing, this whatever I'm doing, either it's not working or outwardly it's working, but I'm empty, you know. And, you know, if you want to, to transfer that to obviously Peter, James, and John at some level thought Jesus would take earthly reign in their lifetimes, that they would, <clears throat> that they, you know, he would somehow rule Israel. He would overthrow the Russians, or Russians, the Romans. Um, well, maybe that. <laughs> or, or the Russians. Yeah, yeah it's a different it's a whole different conspiracy theory that you know, we don't have time to talk about now. Um, you know, so they had a the next, they had a plan A for Jesus and for their lives in Jesus, and this is a very sort of powerful and positive way of saying my plan B is better than your plan A. Like, uh -huh. don't forget that, that this is the story you're really in, um, and I think we sort of need that because then we forget that we are also to be the Moses and Elijah in that story. We're going to be transformed. We should be in the process of being transformed. Uh, that's actually, in a sense, our superpower is to become more and more like Christ. Uh, and that should be something that we're about. Uh, and that also gives us a responsibility and all of that stuff. And uh, I do think that's, you know, if that's, if, if we want to call that a midlife crisis, um, I mean, I think some people have it when they're 25, mm -hmm. uh, and some people have it when they're 45 and some people never have it, mm -hmm. right? It's this whole first half of life, second half of life thing where they're, they're in their sixties in their seventies, and they're still trying to climb the ladder. They're still yeah. in the first half of life. And that's a sad, sad state of affairs, right? Yeah. Yeah. They can't give up their plan A. Uh, what they really need is a midlife crisis. What they really need. And, and yeah, I feel like it's, it's got to be mentioned somewhere. We need to start talking about that because I just feel like there's a way to, uh, I say this a little bluntly, there's a way to fail your midlife crisis. And that's to start another story. Right. of Start another uh, plan A. Start another plan A. Yeah. Okay. Well, new, got to get a new like, spouse got to get a new whatever right. like i'm gonna start right. another plan a all this isn't right. working anymore and right. uh yeah that's the classic picture of a midlife crisis is that we basically you're right starting a new plan a sports car second wife second husband you know uh leave this company and go to that company move yeah. buy a different house uh all of these um i mean my parents uh i mean we, my i'm my dad and stepmom, we moved while I was in high school for no real reason. Uh, and so, I mean, I changed high schools basically because my parents weren't happy. Mm -hmm. And 
and then of course, you know, not terribly long after when I was in college, they moved back to a different, you know, moving, buying this, changing jobs. Now you might need to change jobs. Obviously I, we've moved in our lives, but if you're doing it to restart a plan, a you're not happy with, it's not going to work. Right. It's like Peter yeah. picking up the sword when they come to arrest Jesus. It's like, yeah, that's, you're missing the point here. Um, uh, get back on my story. And I think that's like, we miss the point and then therefore we short circuit our own transformation. We short circuit our own glorification. Let me read here. Uh, one of my it's sort of, it doesn't read great passage, but it's one of my favorite passages because it's sort of, um, points to this, this, this reality. Uh, it says in second Corinthians three, starting in verse seven, and, and Paul is talking about this kind of what we've been talking about, the sort of the glory of this new ministry of the new covenant of the new Testament, sort of fulfilling and overtaking the old. Uh, and it says, now if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone came with glory so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, transitory though it was, will not the ministry of the spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses, who had put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the Old Covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. In this, this picture of, you know, Paul talks about, you know, Moses going up the mountain and coming down from the mountain and his face shone with the glory of God, but he covered it because he didn't want them to see the fading glory and, and sort of mistake it as the, as the real glory. And, you know, that that veil represents what darkens our understanding uh, until Christ takes the veil away. And, but when he does, then we have unveiled faces. And as we contemplate, and I think the word contemplate, reflect, uh, sometimes you'll see, there might be a note there, you know, that there's um, sometimes either or both words are used that as we who with unveiled faces, so we who are in Christ, the veil is taken away from us. We contemplate the Lord's glory, we are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory. And, you know, some of the older translations were being transformed. I think it's more literal in the Greek to say, uh, transformed from glory to glory, mm -hmm. which comes from the Lord. So that, you know, we are in a sense, you know, the superhero thing, we're not really superheroes, but we are to be transformed into something much more like Moses and Elijah. And that's our destiny on the mountaintop. 
but the glory of it is to exceed the glory that shone from Moses's face when he came down from the mountain. It's ever increasing glory. And that glory is shown in glorious lives, uh, shown via the fruit of the spirit, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, you know, grace and love and forgiveness and <clears throat> all of these things that we are to be transformed more and more into the image of Christ. And as we do so, it's more and more glorious. Uh, that's, this seems like this transfiguration is a precursor or a, among other things, or a picture of this, this is the real story that we're in and to contemplate, uh, you know, and it's this ongoing rhythm of contemplating the Lord's glory. So prayer, uh, you know, scripture, meditating on scripture, worship, part of that is not just to check a box or to learn something new, but it is to contemplate so I can be transformed into this glorious being, which is my destiny. And not only do we follow Jesus, like he's Clark Kent and not Superman, we live as Clark Kent. We live as Hancock, if you will. Mm -hmm. We have this destiny and this, uh, this life in front of us and we just sit around and whatever. I didn't watch the movie. I just, uh, I don't know what Hancock actually does. Sits around and watch TV or whatever. Um, and that kind of, to me, is a picture of, you know, short-circuiting who we really will be and just settling for something much less. Yeah. Um, what do you think? What are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I, I did see Hancock uh, years ago. I may be wrong, but I think he had given up um, because he had failed something. He had failed oh at his responsibility somewhere along the line and let somebody down or didn't save the day or something. And so because of that, he couldn't accept, you know, his own failure. Um, he gave up and didn't want the responsibility. So there was some type of, um, pain or lack of, you know, receiving forgiveness or grace. Something was in the way of him taking responsibility. And I think that's probably true for us as well. There's each of us are different. We have different stories and different personalities, but something's probably um, mm. in, in our way of mm. being transformed, like you know, I like um, that. taking responsibility Peter, as you and I like to talk about taking agency. We have yeah. been given this agency. Yeah. Cause Peter, I mean, you'd think, well, Peter would never forget this, but obviously he does not long after right he and 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 then he what do they do after he betrays jesus jesus is dead and they go fishing it almost is like in you know towards the end of the book of john and so it's like they it's almost like they're they go back to plan a they don't you know they what, what, are, you know, what are we going to do here and jesus then shows up on the shore right. and asks them do you do you love me right. peter do you love me peter do you love me He's almost like he's he's reappearing to Hancock and say, okay, yeah, you, you know, don't give up. Yes, you failed. This is part of the whole process of you have to die to yourself. You have to acknowledge that on your own, you're going to fail in your own strength. You're going to deny um, uh, and, you know, follow me, feed my sheep, you know, do this thing that I've, I've called you to do. Uh, and that's the path to glory and the path to being crucified upside down. 
which is what happened mm. to Peter, right? But both of those things mm -hmm. are, because that's the other thing is what does it mean to live a glorious life? And it isn't Joel Osteen because Paul's writing this. Paul's writing this and, you know, I think it's the same book where he talks about, here's all the stuff that's happened to me. I've been beaten, I've been ripped, yeah. you know, beaten with wobbed, I've been ripped, I've been ship you know, shipwrecked, I've been left for, I've stoned and left for dead. Uh, all of this stuff is part of this glorious life that Paul is calling us to, which is pretty much the, op I mean, it's in every way, it's the repudiation of a plan A life, right? You mean that's not the introduction to best life now? <laughs> It's not. It's not. And that's the interesting thing. I mean, your best life now might, uh, um, you know, I don't, it, 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 it's probably going to be really uncomfortable. It's probably going to be really sacrificial. And if it wasn't, you probably wouldn't be living your best life now because it just, it would be too tempting to take all of this smooth success and not make it an idol and not try to live in it. It, it, it would be your easiest life now, which might be oh, the worst yeah. thing for you. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. That's what we really often mean when we say best life now, we mean easiest life now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that just leads to disappointment and despair and, and so on. Um, and you know, if you look at, uh, if you look at that, then as we get close to the end of our time here, you know, who around us is the, you know, living the most glorious lives, if you will, I guess as we couldn't point them out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's the, it's the nameless, thankless background person who probably struggles with whatever sense of significance and so on. Um, and we are not attuned to see it. The person who is you know, doesn't, doesn't have a bad word for people, uh, gives them the benefit of the doubt, forgives them, has grace, you know, tirelessly helps people, works, uh, prays for people. Um, and all of that yeah. stuff can happen. And you sort of, you might think of somebody I know kind of like that, but, um, that's not what we think of when we think of success in the Christian life. That's not what right. even all the book, even all the books that you buy, like how to have, I don't know, impactful. It, usually it's not that, right? Well, it's, and and I'm not trying to slam the next generation at all, but it, it it's probably the culture getting its way in the West with, I want to be the next, um, you know, famous communicator, yeah. the next superstar yeah. pastor, the next, like just for young, younger believers, even it's like, I'm going to build a platform. I've got to build this platform and I got to get followers. And this is how I find my value. Right. Which is so, it sounds culturally like, well, maybe that is God's plan, but it's not the biblical pattern because the people who had the most impact at, you know, in a sense, Paul was famous. In another sense, he was infamous. You know, he suffered all of those things yeah. and then he was arrested and then he went before Caesar and, you know, he probably was released and rearrested and eventually executed. Uh, and he has impact because the Lord chose to use him in that way to have impact. And so, um, so I think, I mean, and my, my takeaway, uh, is this sense of this daily rhythm of God's presence, God's word, God's spirit that is meant to transform me.
over the slow, uneven, you know, path of time. Uh, two steps forward, one step back, three steps forward, two steps back, uh, sometimes three steps forward, four steps back. Uh, this mm-hmm. um, stumbling forward process of being formed into his image, of dying, denying self, is that is the glorious life. That is the life that leads to transfigured, transformed, uh, fruitful life. And it's not a life we pick on our own. That's certainly not our plan A. Um, and so, and you know, as we as we sign off here, just the encouragement to let's, you know, recommit ourselves to that picture of life as the life we're recommended that's recommended to us, and let's encourage one another to live that life uh, in you know whatever form that we can in terms of encouraging people, praying for people, or even just redirecting people, giving people a, a fresh perspective of. You know, that we can't take them up the mountain and be transfigured, but we kind of can uh, and say, this is really the life that God has for you. Um, And with that, it's a life of grace and peace. And so with that, grace and peace. Thanks for listening to Rogue Table Talks, a Calvary Church media production podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts.